Help your four-year-old find joy in learning. Waterford Upstart is a proven effective pre-K learning program that includes fun songs, games, and activities that prepare your child for success in school. We provide all the tools you need to help your child learn to read, including a coach, a computer, and internet access. And because it's already paid for, it's free for you. Enroll today at waterfordupstart.org. In the heat of the moment, you're not just keeping it calm, you're keeping it cool too. With an ice cold cold brew, and not just any cold brew, but one that's slow steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top. That's keeping it calm, cool, and cold brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew, America runs on Dunkin. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Hello there, welcome to another episode of This Week in History with me, your host, Dan the Viking. Now, this week, we are talking about possibly one of the most famous men in history, certainly one who I would say plays quite an important role today, especially with what's going on in the rest of the world. So this week, ladies and gentlemen, we will be talking about a man who goes by the moniker of Ivan the Terrible or what he was more commonly known as at the time, as Ivan IV. Now, Ivan has quite a reputation, hence the nickname Ivan the Terrible. He was actually born on the 25th of August, which, uh, believe it or not, is the same day as my dad. So, uh, there we go, dad, for when you do listen to this episode, there is someone famous that was born on the same day as you. Probably not one you'd want to be associated with, but nonetheless, Ivan the Terrible, 25th of August, 1530. Now, he was actually born to Vasily Third. So, he was born into a royal household. He was born into a life of wealth and luxury, or so it would seem... Now, when we're talking about Russia back in the early 1600, uh, sorry, the early 16th century, we're talking about a very different Russia to what we see today. For starters, it wasn't called Russia. This was a an area called Moscovy, which is pretty much modern-day Moscow and surrounding areas. Now, this area was very controversial. Because Moscovy was known as the Third Rome, okay? So, don't ask why, but that's what it was known as, the Third Rome. It was a haven for Christianity. Now, it was what we know as an Orthodox Christian church. So, Moscovy was Orthodox, and it had Catholics to one side and Muslims or Islam to the other 
It was surrounded by civil war. It was surrounded by the remnants of Genghis Khan to the right hand or to the east. And the remnants of the old Catholic faith to the west. So it was an area that was in constant turmoil, in constant civil unrest. And probably not really a very nice place to grow up. Moscovy was an area that was, you know, the temperatures and things like that were similar to what we would see in modern-day Russia today. Very, very cold. Um, It it had very cold summers, very cold winters, um, a lot of snow. And Moscovy at this time was landlocked. Uh, It was, like I said, it was surrounded, so it didn't have any oceans next to it. And that gives you an idea of how small it actually was. Um, especially in comparison to modern-day Russia. Now, he, um, Ivan, like I said, was born in in fifteen thirty. His dad actually died in fifteen thirty three, meaning that he became the heir to the throne. Obviously, at three years old, he was not going to be, you know, crowned or or given that that role at three years old. But he was under the guidance of his mother now his mother obviously took on the role of what we would say as queen regent uh, the woman who would basically talk him through everything and, and you know be an advisor but realistically she would run the country so before we get into the deaths and and the the shaping of his life we'll talk a little bit about the birth now, the birth might sound like a, an almost unimportant thing to happen in the grand scheme of things when we're talking about it from a historical aspect. Obviously, everybody's born, everybody dies. So, how important is the birth of Ivan the Terrible? Well, turns out it was actually quite important. Now, his father, Vasily III, had tried with his first wife on many, many occasions to have a child and was unable she was unable to produce an heir and therefore he decided to divorce her now this was completely against orthodox christianity and was not something that was you know very well to do at the time it actually caused quite an uproar in Moscovy it caused a lot of nobles to to stand up and and denounce the the new marriage um that he was he was going to make denounce his divorce and even to the point that one religious clerk actually said that such an evil act such as divorce would only produce an evil heir and like I said, on the 25th of August, when Ivan was actually born, he was born into the, you know into this prophecy of being the evil heir to the throne. And he was actually born, although it was August and what we would normally suggest as, as a summer, it was an unbelievable winter storm at this time. And uh, Moscovy was absolutely ravished by cold weather, a lot colder than what it was used to at this time. And almost gives you that, uh, you know, that fear of, or that that aspect of, was this preacher or was this uh, clergyman actually correct that this act was 
so terrible that it was going to produce a terrible air. And when you look at the conditions of of the the town at the time and the weather, it it could have been construed as God's wrath. So we'll flash forward those three years now to to when his father has died. We know his birth was um, very tragic, very turmoiled, and and has this black cloud hanging over it from the the message that was given by the priest. Obviously, when his father dies, like we said, his mother, uh, Queen Eleanor, uh, her name was, she becomes Queen Regent. And things start to go quite well. Little Ivan does have some psychopathic tendencies in the sense that he was known to torture animals um, and you know be quite a, a nasty child in that aspect, quite brutal um, to animals whilst he was growing up. So... Muscovy had a ruling class. Like many towns and many countries across the, the world, they had lords and ladies um, and, you know, what what the French call the bourgeoisie. Uh, in Muscovy, they were called the boyars. These were noblemen who were basically in charge of the country. These were the guys who did the day-to-day work um, and they were the high-powered men of their time in Muscovy. Now, the boyars were sworn to allegiance to Ivan. Um, Vasily III made sure that this was done, that uh, they had to swear loyalty to Ivan before he died. However, there was a fear that the boyars would take out Ivan. They would kill him, and one of them would put themselves on the throne. The problem with this is obviously... To take out a child was uh, could be construed as, as very, very dodgy at the time. Even in those days, to murder a child was, you know, was frowned upon. Um, and especially if it was for self-gain. So again, the fear that Eleanor had that her son was going to be taken away from her and replaced with one of these boyars... Um, probably meant the fact that she wasn't watching her own back. And on April the 4th, 1538, she was, uh, well, she died. Now, the there are stories that say she died from um, the sickness, the plague and things like that that were going around at the time. But the more realistic story is that she was actually assassinated um, and poisoned by one of the boyars. And the main reason for that is once she was removed, this eight-year-old boy would now be in control of the whole country and whoever controlled the king controlled the country obviously an eight-year-old child is not going to be very well to do um therefore whoever controlled him was basically put themselves in a much much better position a much more powerful position um and they didn't have to deal with the nasty thought of getting rid of a child So Ivan and his brother were now under the control of the boyars. There were certain families that were better than others, uh, certain families that had more power than others. And Ivan, whilst growing up in a palace, was witness to some very terrible um, and and horrible acts. Uh, He witnessed um, murders, tortures. He he witnessed, as a young child, um, a boyar... Uh, skinning alive a man who had crossed him um things like this that were real brutal acts that for a young child obviously 
not something they would want to see. Unfortunately, the boyars still mistreated Ivan and his brother. And although living in a palace, uh, Ivan actually recalled that growing up he would wear rags and he would have to beg for food and things like this. So he was not brought up as what you would call a prince or or someone who was of royal descent he was pretty much just cast to the side but because he was living in a palace and because he was still technically the heir to the throne no one would actually dispatch of Ivan but they didn't treat him in a way that you would assume someone in that position would be treated having witnessed all of this brutality as a young child the tendencies that Ivan was starting to show became more apparent he was uh, a lot more aggressive a lot more brutal to the animals there were uh, incidences of him skinning alive a cat for example which would be something that he would have witnessed at the time and you know this going into a young teenager now Ivan was beginning to plot his revenge on the boyars he he saw them for what they were he saw that he was being used and paraded around um basically as a tool to to aid their power not actually to benefit him there were still boyars that were loyal to ivan some that wouldn't mistreat him some that didn't treat him like uh, an animal or, or or anything like that and These are the ones that he got on his side. And on December the 29th, 1543, so we're talking 13 and a half years now, Ivan is of age, he sent these boyars around to another one, dragged him out, and fed him alive to a pack of wild dogs. And this was the start of Ivan taking control of his throne taking control of his kingdom and making sure that the name Ivan the fourth would stay with people for the rest of history so our 13 year old king has ordered his first hit and it's gone well now people are starting to show him a little bit more respect he's got a little bit more street credibility and uh is now a little bit more feared than he was prior to this. Not only that, he and his friends took it upon themselves to basically take full control of Muscovy and go around beating up and robbing and basically doing whatever they wanted, um, pretty much just being thugs, because they could. No one was there to stop them. No one was going to tell them that they couldn't do it. So that's how it was. They couldn't. They were almost untouchable. They had the boyars back in them. They had that fear installed into the people. And now he was becoming almost, like I said, untouchable. Added to this, he was taken under the wing by a guy called Macarius, who was then later made into a saint macarius was a religious figure who took ivan under his wing and showed him religion for the first time however although ivan learnt christianity and was uh, very involved in christianity he didn't really follow the rules of christianity and kind of went against it in uh, the sense of 
Christianity teaching people to uh, love and respect and things like that. He was he just went the complete opposite. Now Macarius became very influential, like I said, and he was the man who crowned Ivan on January the sixteenth, fifteen forty-seven, where the seventeen and a half year old man now became Tsar of all Russia, Ivan the Fourth. Um, pretty much. This was where his life now was cemented into the history books. The reason this appointment or this ceremony, coronation, whatever you want to call it, was so important and so historically important was Ivan became the first Tsar of Russia. Now, this was almost a translation to Caesar from the Roman Empire and it was in an attempt to re-establish Moscovy as the head of a Byzantine Empire in other words the defenders of the, of the faith the head of Christianity and this was where he decided to build his third Rome now three weeks after that Ivan had another lavish ceremony where he got married. He married a lady called Anastasia Romanova. Ivan went about with his reforms after his marriage and he he brought in a lot of changes to Moscovy. Um the main ones which is what we'll talk about. Um you can you can research and there there's hundreds of different little changes that he brought in, but the main one was essentially you are no longer able to kill a commoner. Now that doesn't sound like a big deal. Um, back in the you know back in the 16th century, you were able to kill the common man, the, the poor people, the peasants. Um, if you were an aristocrat or a, in this case a boyar, um, you were allowed to just kill whoever you wanted as long as they were lower than you in the social standards. You could do what you wanted. Now Ivan turned around and said. Let's be real. That's not going to happen anymore. That's you shouldn't be doing that anyway, and that's not going to happen. Now this makes you seem like, well, how did he get the nickname "terrible" when he's pretty much protecting life? Well, the reason he did that was not because he had any sort of respect for them um, or any will to to help the common man. He was merely trying to punish and restrict the powers from the boyars Um, and by doing this he opened up the ability for the common man to make a complaint about the boyars and and actually challenge the noble rule in russia for the first time in their history and it weakened the boyars position completely weakened it Um, there is evidence of uh, a few common common people coming to Ivan and complaining about the boyars uh, in particular where he rounded up 70 of them stripped them naked in the snow and set their beards on fire as a punishment um now as a man with a beard i can tell you that would be extremely painful um not just the fire obviously we know what fire can do but i mean the mental side of it um losing your beard uh would be one of the worst things that could happen to me 
alongside obviously my wife and kids but losing my beard is probably up there with them you know um if i lost my beard i would be devastated so i think i can see how much of a punishment that actually was and in this time period a well-groomed well looked after beard was a symbol of of strength and power so to remove that was just another way of him showing his authority and again it goes to prove that this idea that he's brought in of of not being able to attack your subordinates um, and get away with it with impunity didn't apply to him it didn't apply to him he could do what he wanted when he wanted Ivan now with the power that he's got in his country sets his sights at conquering he is now in a position where the powers in the region support him the people aren't going to question him he's well liked by the common man he's well feared by the aristocracy and he's in a position to really do well as his position is as Tsar so five years later he, like I said, he's in a good position. He decides to set his sights to the west and to attempt what we now know as a crusade. So these are Christians, uh, Christian missionaries, Christian soldiers going out and trying to conquer lands um, and convert people to a different religion or to convert them to Christianity. And in 1552 he set his sights on a place called Kazan now this was a small Islamic caliphate to the west of Muscovy didn't really pose much of a threat but it was something that needed as far as Ivan was concerned something that needed addressing now there were far more powerful caliphates in the area and the main one being in Crimea, the Crimean Caliphate was one of the biggest um, in the world at that time. It was pretty much the remnants of the Golden Horde from Genghis Khan. And in a situation where he couldn't take that on, he decided to go for the weaker neighbour. And that's what he did. Um, he laid siege to the city of Kazan and on October the 13th, 1552, the city fell. Just two days after that, his son was born, his first son, and now heir to the throne, Dmitri. It's speculated amongst historians that had Ivan had died in 1552 or, or early in 1553, he would have gone down as one of the great men in history. Um, not the the man that we know now and in 1553 this was almost a reality uh, Ivan the fourth fell very very ill and um, was pretty much on end of life and he summoned the boyars just like his father did he asked the boyars to lay their claim with his son um, and to look after his son and to declare his son as the next ruler of Muscovy. They refused. They weren't going to do, go through this again. They refused. They said they preferred his cousin. And that was it. 
there was nothing Ivan could do, he was on his deathbed, the boyars had the power in the country again, and everything was going wrong, they were all going to end up, that was the end of his uh, his lineage, his, his regal line. Unfortunately for the boyars, Ivan recovered, and he came back a changed man when he'd recovered from his, his illness. The illness itself fed his worst fears. The illness made him believe that the boyars were out to get him, which he thought anyway, but now the fact that they wouldn't back him pretty much cemented that feeling into Ivan's mind. So Ivan now looking to expand his empire, he's decided that he's back to full fitness, he wants to make Muscovy a bigger a region, he also wants a link to uh, to the oceans. Um, he, he's looking east now, it's because uh, they're in a situation where the only way Muscovy can actually grow as a country is to have that trade route open to an ocean. And Muscovy, being a landlocked area, he set his sights east. This was the easiest option, and he signaled out, singled out, sorry, an area called Livonia, which is what we would know today as modern-day Latvia. And in 1560, he decided to invade. He sent his army out there, and he took Livonia. Their Grand Duke was returned to Muscovy and executed, and now he had his gateway to the oceans. Unfortunately, in sixteen, uh, sorry, in fifteen sixty-one, Livonia declared a new archduke, who surrendered. Very tactif- very tactically, he surrendered to King Sigmundson from Poland. Okay, now at the time, Poland was a massive rival to Russia, Poland, Lithuania. They were a huge rival. With him declaring Livonia to Poland meant that they had to get the Russians out. And they invited the Swedish the Swedish army over to clear them out. Here they changed the uh, Livonia from a Catholic country into a Protestant country and basically booted the Muscovies out of Livonia. This was a catastrophic defeat for Ivan and now put him in the middle of a war that went on for the next 20 years. To make matters worse for Ivan, in 1561, his son died and his wife was, well, she died as well, but was, uh, as far as historians are aware, was assassinated. And the reason I say this is because in the Middle Ages, in the 1500s, deaths were so common um, and to actually put something down as as an assassination or just a general illness is very very hard to determine the two um, obviously when we're talking about modern day assassinations things like JFK Martin Luther King um, these are quite obviously assassinations back in the 1500s 
I would say it's very hard as a historian to determine whether it's an assassination or whether they just got one of the many, many diseases um, that were were available at the time. Um, and, and also the medicine at that point. Uh, you know, we'd barely got past the point of rubbing feces into a wound. You know, they weren't medically trained very well. Oh, obviously, Ivan still had two other sons. He had Theodore and Ivan the Younger. To make matters worse for Ivan, two years later, in 1563, he loses his priest. Macarius dies, and he loses the plot. He goes mental, to put a better term on it. And now is where Ivan really turns. Um, If he wasn't bad before, obviously burning people's beards and feeding them to dogs, he was... uh, he was about to to turn the 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 loss of three very very important people to him at uh, in such a short space of time took a massive toll on his mental well-being later that year in 1563 he beat one of his soldiers to death with his bare hands and this was the first murder that he actually committed with his own with his own hands. Um, the following year, on April the thirtieth, fifteen sixty four, he decided to abdicate the throne. One of his best generals decided to leave and join the Lithuanians, and he had had enough. He turned around and went, "No one's listening to me." I am not in charge here. I can't do it. I'll give up, basically. And the boyars, you would think, would be quite happy with this decision, were the exact opposite. They basically decided that if Ivan was to leave, it throws Muscovy wide open to invasion. There's a lot of turmoil that comes with that. And he, they made the decision that they, they really needed Ivan. So they begged him. They begged him to stay. And the following year, in uh, 1565, he decided to stay. But on one condition. Bearing in mind there's been a lot of turmoil here, he made one condition that realistically the boyars couldn't refuse. This was that he was to have his own region in Muscovy that was solely his control there was no outside influence there was no uh, boyars allowed in the area he was in control of this region and he could rule this region like a god there was no ifs buts or maybes he had his own section and nobody was allowed to tell him what he could and couldn't do in this particular area this area was to be known as the Oprichnina. This area was about a third of Muscovy's territory and it was basically Ivan's playground. Now, this wasn't a defined area of Muscovy. The Oprichnina was an area that Ivan, like I said, he controlled with, with absolute impunity, but it was an area that could change. So one day you might find yourself in the the border town where you were safe from Ivan. But if he decided that he wanted to move that border a couple of streets to enter your area, 
there wasn't really much you could do. The border towns along the Oprichnina were blurred, to say the least. Now, Ivan created his own intelligence force or uh, private army, whatever you want to call it, which were called the Oprichniki. And these were the guys who did his dirty work for him. These were the terrors of Muscovy. They were completely above the law. They were designed to instill fear into the people. They dressed head to toe in black. They pulled black carriages on black horses. They were designed to not only enforce, but to create the problems and the fear of the common man they were they were designed in such a way that people dare speak out against them they could burn down whatever they wanted they could steal whatever they wanted they could kill they could rape they were known as the children of darkness to the the common folk they were just nasty people and when you give people like that that sort of immunity to prosecution the uh, the darkest desires come out to play i'll give you a little bit of an example of of what they used to do they had a palace which was their base or or uh, i suppose clubhouse almost where they would work from where they would leave and 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 commit their crimes it was said that around 20 people per day were tortured and murdered in this palace um, the leader of the Oprichniki was a man called Maluta Sukratov um, he had a job of uh, rounding up all married women across Muscovy or as many married women as he could um, bring them to the palace, have them raped and then sent back to their husbands, um, potentially with babies inside them from men who were part of the Oprichniki, which threw a lot of problems into Russian society. Um, obviously, a lot of men not knowing if their children were theirs or if they were um, someone in, in this secret police force that uh, had been invented... It caused a lot of problems, as I'm sure you can imagine. The Oprichniki purposely aimed for the boyars and the boyars' families, mainly to drive them out of Moscovy. They were trying to get rid of any power that still existed that could come a cropper to Ivan. Anyone who could cause him problems... He did everything he could to get rid of them. Now, you might ask yourself the question, this all sounds terrible, but it's not actually Ivan doing it. So where's this, you know, where has Ivan got this name from? Where has it all come from? Well, you better believe that he was at the front of all of this. He was aware of every single thing that went on. He sanctioned every single thing that went on. Nothing happened in Muscovy without his say-so. And added to this, he even had a town 
uh, part of his uh, part of his country called Novgorod, um, which he believed was going to defect to the Lithuanians, was going to become a Lithuanian town, and he even had fake documents drawn up to emphasize to people that this town was going to defect he had to do something about it all of this obviously fake this was a fake red flag um attack that he set up himself just to be able to do what he did so what did he do well in january 1570 he took his army to novgorod where they maimed attacked burnt down killed hung whatever they could do to every single person in that town one of the things they used to do was tie people to a sledge push the sledge down a hill into the freezing river and leave them there to to drown if they managed to get their head up to the surface there would be a man standing there with an axe ready to bury it into their skull by february 1570 there was no novgorod left it did not exist it was burnt to the ground and all the people who lived there had either fled or were murdered and this is what he could get away with there was nobody standing in his way in that month alone ivan and his oprich nikki had managed to kill somewhere between 6000 and 12000 people um so yeah they you can you starting to get an idea of why ivan was the one called the terrible when he returned to muscovy or back to the capital um where he built his lavish church which still exists today which you guys will know as the kremlin um that was actually built by ivan the terrible um if you don't know what it is it is a fantastic looking building but that was uh, actually built by him um or by his workers and he returned to muscovy back to his capital where he would pull in any boyars who were left that he didn't particularly like say that they were part of the novgorod treason and have them executed again there's no one to tell him otherwise there's no one that can stop him and you know he wants these people out the way so this is what he's gonna do and that's exactly what he did do it did come to an end this uh idea of Ivan's paradise where he could rape and murder whoever he wanted the Crimean Tartar force or the Crimean uh, Caliphate was on the march to Moscovy now he wasn't that bothered he had spies in his Oprichniki who said there was you know a couple of thousand on their way um, nothing really to worry about however the spies were unbelievably wrong there was actually a force of around 120,000 men uh, on the march to Muscovy and to Ivan's capital and he didn't prepare he wasn't ready for them because he wasn't expecting a force of that size 
he had no choice but to flee like a true leader let's put it that way he grabbed all the gold all the jewels everything he could get his hands on and he left Muscovy as quickly as he could he couldn't defend the city he didn't have enough men and there was nothing he could do but he left the people to die when the caliphate arrived they burnt every single building in moscow to the ground every building except one the kremlin they left the kremlin standing but they murdered pretty much everybody in the city they actually murdered around 160,000 people um on that you know on that year and where was their glorious leader well he'd done a runner he was in safety the caliphate actually dumped that many bodies in the river that the river changed direction of the flow I mean that's unbelievable the amount of people that you have to the amount of waste you would have to put into a river to change the direction is is unreal so when you think the amount of that but all of that was bodies that just gives you an idea of how many people they actually killed when he returned to Muscovy he returned to a shattered ruin of a country and the Oprichniki that were left were rounded up and executed for not protecting the city as well as they could have done. He got rid of the Oprichnina as an area, got rid of his uh, secret police force, and tried to reinstate just a normal working government or a normal working uh, monarchy in this instance. Um, his slight advantage was that the Crimean Caliphate had overextended their arm, gone further into Russia, and been destroyed by uh, other armies in in the area. So he uh, he didn't have to deal with the Caliphate anymore, but he did have to deal with the problems in his own head. Um, the most sensible thing for him to do at this point would be to end the war. Now, you've got to remember, this entire time we've been talking, um, you're talking 1572 now, for the last 10 years, he's been at war with Poland, uh, Poland-Lithuania, over the Baltic region. And if he was to end that war there and then, he might have seen a bit of a recovery for Moscow. But he didn't. He didn't want to end that war. He carried it on. And it was a war he was losing. But for some reason, which we, we will never know, he was not ready to give up. So Ivan is having a pretty bad time with this war. And he's losing. You know, he's losing a lot of battles. He's losing a lot of men. His son, however, Ivan the Younger, is doing much, much better. His army is winning battles his army is winning uh, a lot of battles in fact against the polish lithuanian forces and the boyars actually write a letter to ivan saying that you know your son is actually better uh, he's a lot more capable and he's doing uh, he's got the you know the track record to prove it 
can we have him instead now to a normal person when you're an aging general and your son is doing better at war than you are you might step aside to Ivan the Terrible he saw that as the boyars asking Ivan the Younger to become the new Tsar of Muscovy well this is something he didn't want he was never going to allow his son to take over his throne not until he died um in fact he was that angry that in November 1581 he found Ivan the Younger's wife uh, who was pregnant and he beat her so badly that she miscarried the baby when his son came to complain about it which you would Ivan grabbed a staff and hit his son over the head he then beat his son to death and on November the 19th 1851 Ivan the Younger died of his injuries now Ivan had one more son he was what we would call simple minded and not a good heir to the throne Ivan had already lost one son and his wife he'd now murdered a second son and his family line rested with a simple minded son who was never going to be a good king the only good thing that can come out of the death of Ivan the Younger was that in 1581 Ivan basically took control of his country in a, in a better way he approached the pope asked the pope to negotiate a peace between Muscovy and Poland Lithuania which saw all of the lands that Russia had taken to be returned to Latvia and Poland Lithuania and all of the coastal towns along the north coast by Finland were also to be returned to Sweden so basically a 24 years or 23 years in fact sorry from 1558 they'd achieved nothing there were thousands of people dead hundreds of thousands of people dead um cities burnt to the ground um an entire landscape turned upside down and all for nothing there was no gain nothing the glory days of ivan the terrible were gone realistically he was not a very good leader he did a couple of good battles with the caliphates to the east um, and the, the destruction of the Crimean Caliphate was not because of Ivan, it was in spite of Ivan. Ivan just happened to be around at the same time. Uh, he had nothing to do with the destruction of that caliphate. And realistically, his reign was pretty mediocre, to, to say the, the least. He didn't really achieve very much. Ivan the Terrible 
had uh, pretty much capitulated into a shell of a man. Um, By 1854, uh, he fell very ill. The only thing he could actually manage to do was to to play chess. And uh, by March the 18th, 1584, um, he allegedly had a heart attack or a stroke, we're not sure, um, whilst playing chess and died. When Ivan died, his son Theodore took the throne. And uh, yeah, well, let's say if you thought Ivan's uh, Oprich Nikki and Oprich Nina were bad, <laughs> that was nothing compared to what was going to come under Theodore. He couldn't control anything. This was a country wrecked in civil war. Um, and actually all the way up until 1613 Russia didn't see any peace and the country that took uh, the country sorry the family that took over in 1613 were the Romanovs so if you remember right back to the start uh, Ivan married a woman called Anastasia Romanov this was her family and they were the ones to guide Russia into a better time uh, in from 1613 onwards so that is the story of Ivan the Terrible now the reason I picked that story is because there is a lot of things going on in the world right now and Russia seemed to be the center of it all um, now I, I said it before I'll say it again obviously my thoughts and prayers do go out to the people of Ukraine. Um, and like I said in the last episode, from what I'm aware, um, a lot of these Russian soldiers, young Russian soldiers, have absolutely no idea why they are there and why they are fighting. So, um, again, my thoughts go out to, to everybody who is involved in this war who doesn't want to be. Um, I felt it was important to bring a little bit of Russian history into the fold and to show people just a little bit of something different um you know these are troubled times that we're living in and i believe that history is something that is very very important and it's not something we should we should forget and regardless of what we think of of russia right now um, or the Russian people, or, or anything like that. Um, this is a country with a huge, huge history, a vast, vast amount of history. Uh, some of it very, very good. Some of it, as as we've learned, um, not so good. So there are there is important things to learn here, and and you know, I believe that this could potentially, this war could potentially be another one where thousands of people lose their lives. And there's going to be nothing gained and nothing lost by it. I I can see that. I hope that it's not that case. I hope there will be a, a peaceful end to this. But um, you know, I I hope you guys have uh, understood the message with this and haven't seen it as uh, anything negative. With obviously it being a a Russian history uh, Russian history show. Um, I hope no one's sort of taken that in a in a negative tone because it was not not meant like that in any way, shape, or form. Um, 
so thank you for listening guys i said it uh, last week saying it every episode now until we get to episode 100 um i've had another couple of messages uh for a couple more uh questions for me and my dad get them questions in we have new members to the group thank you very much the five of you who have just joined um i believe i i tagged you all in it and said hello if you're on there um say hello you know don't be shy come and say hi i'm i don't bite i'm a nice person um you're more than welcome to to drop me a message on there especially if you are on the group drop me a message and just say you know hi i'm so and so from wherever you are let me know where you're from um drop me a question there's anything you want to know um i'm do my best to to answer that um i do have another quick query for anyone if you are a historian if you do have any history background and there is something that you want to cover whether that you'd like me to cover it or whether you'd like to come on the show and cover it yourself you're more than welcome at any point to drop me a message and come on this show as a guest um i have absolutely no problems with that whatsoever i always like hearing new people um and i'm sure some of you guys out there who listen to this podcast have got parts of history that you might know better than what i do um you know if you're uh into i don't know roman history or egyptian history or modern history history of art music literature um anything like that someone who has a story or a person that they would like to to share with the rest of us um feel free you know come on the show tell everyone share us your knowledge um easy enough to get in contact with me get yourselves onto the facebook group this week in history you can email me which is twihpod at gmail.com not many people do email i think i've only had one or two um but feel free to email i do get back to them and if you're not on patreon uh, you can do it through Patreon as well. Um, you can get on there and just donate to me $5 a month and you'll get access to all of these shows. Uh, you'll get access to them early. I say this every week, but these shows that go out onto your normal feed uh, have been sat on Patreon for about sometimes a week, sometimes even longer. Um, they go as, onto Patreon as soon as they're recorded um, and they won't go out onto your normal feed until I say so. So, Get yourselves over there. You do get all of these episodes without those adverts as well. So it is worth the $5 a month. And it keeps me in business, keeps my show going. So thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, for listening. And just remember, we all have history. Make yours great. See you next week. Bye-bye. Welcome to America, the land of junk sleep, where it's bedtime, but you're double booked. Here, there's always one more deadline to meet episode to watch or meme to share the world may not want you to sleep but we do only the sleep experts at mattress firm can help you find the right bed at the right price unjunk your sleep in store or online at mattressfirm.com today in the heat of the moment you're not just keeping it calm you're keeping it cool too with an ice cold cold brew And not just any cold brew, but one that's slow-steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top. That's keeping it calm, cool, and cold brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew, America runs on Dunkin'. 
Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a drama coach to be an IT guy. Yeah, I'm having trouble logging in. I'm not buying it. Say it again. This time with feeling. I can't log in? Come on, man. I want to feel your struggle. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Now, like your life depends on it. I can't log in. Yes, we'll make an actor out of you yet. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. In the heat of the moment, you're not just keeping it calm, you're keeping it cool too. With an ice cold cold brew. And not just any cold brew, but one that's slow steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top. That's keeping it calm, cool, and cold brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew, America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Geico presents Daily Affirmations. Repeat after me. Our thoughts are like the ocean. Our thoughts are like the ocean. Our thoughts create our reality. Our thoughts create our reality. We're thinking Geico offers claim service 24-7 with personalized attention from an assigned team. Geico offers claim service? Um, I wasn't thinking that. We think it and it becomes our reality. So, uh, what about washboard abs? Let's give it a go. Think really hard. Okay, abs, abs, abs. Yep, keep thinking. To manifest more Geico in your life, go to geico.com.